You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, here we go. Thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day. Alex Frank here with you. Today's episode was supposed to be, it was, I was hoping, a good episode where we're talking about the Bearcats picking up a big win on the road at Temple. There was a game in the Big 12 Monday night I want to get on, I want to hit on um, and talk about what I think it could mean for Cincinnati when they joined the Big 12. And even despite the loss last night, I still think Cincinnati is on the right track with Wes Miller. I, I do think they are due for a win Sunday at ECU. I'll touch on that. But, my God, you're up 12 points at the end of the first half. And you lose by four. And it's not like the Bearcats did anything to help themselves in the second half. That lead kept dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And one, and one thing I always believe is, when you let a team, I don't care how good they are. I don't care if Temple is was 0-16. I don't care if they were 8-8. Eight eight. I don't care if they were 16-0. When you let a bad team hang around, bad things happen. I'm sorry. When you let a team hang around, you are asking for trouble. When Green Bay let San Francisco hang around Saturday night in the divisional round playoff game, they were asking for trouble. And Jordan Willis gave it to them with a blocked pun that was returned for a touchdown. The Niners ended up winning the game. Cincinnati had no reason to lose this game. No, no, nothing. This is a game they should not have lost. I'm sorry. You are up 12 at the half. In a game where you weren't playing really that well to begin with. The Bearcats shot just 38% in the first half. They were 6 of 19 from 3. That's actually not bad. Only attempted 2 free throws. Temple shot 28.6% from the floor. 2 of 7 from 3. A dismal 7 of 13 from the free throw line. Despite all the struggles Cincinnati had, they're still up 12. Then we get to the second half. Are you ready for these numbers? Because I don't know if I'm ready to read them, but I'm going to read them anyway. Second half field goal percentage. Or actually, this will tell you the story. Second half field goals. 5 for 29. Excuse me. 5 of 29. Three-point shooting. <laughs> this is... <laughs> I'm laughing at this. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> might be to make myself feel better. It might be just because it's funny. 1 of 14. <coughs> Excuse me. Hey, they were 10 out of 16 from the free throw line. It's really not that impressive. 5 of 29. 5 for 29. Here are some of the field goal totals from tonight. David DeJulius, 4 of 15. It's great he attempted 15 shots. He's got to make at least 7 of them. Micah Adams-Woods, 3 of 10. Jeremiah Davenport, 3 of 14. Needless to say, he had a bad night. But that can't happen too often. Odio Guama, 1 of 4. Abdullah Du. 
Sure, he had five points, three rebounds. He only attempted three shots. Played 18 minutes. Funny how I said that he that he's a starter. That you look at the box score and you see that he played way fewer minutes than any other starter. Tonight, David DeJulius, John Newman III, Micah Adams-Wood, and Jeremiah Davenport all started in addition to Adu. Those four aforementioned players each played 30 minutes. Adu played 18. Hayden Koval played 13 off the bench. He went 0 for 4. Mike Saunders Jr. went 0 for 3. He had 3 assists. The Bearcats did not lose this game because they turned the ball over. They did have one more turnover than assists. They just couldn't hit a shot. They just could not hit a shot. All they had to do was just make shots. This team is going to have to make shots to win games. They struggle to do that. They don't have a player who can step up and do that. Tonight, David DeJulius and Jeremiah Davenport were a combined 7 of 29 from the floor. 7 of 29. That means they only had two more shots combined... That means they, they, they combined hit just two more shots than the Bearcats' team field goal total was in the second half. Let that sink in for a minute. And Temple, like, we knew they were a competitive team coming in. Did they do anything to set the world on fire in this game? They shot just 33.9% from the floor, 3 of 14 from 3, 20 of 32 from the line. Those normally add up for a loss. But not in this game. Damian Dunn, their leading scorer, had 18 points. He was just 5 of 15 from the floor. Jeremiah Williams was 5 of 9. Uh, Nick Jordan was 2 of 9. I mean, it's not like Temple set the world on fire with the way they played. But the difference is they were tougher. That's the difference. And what sucks is, this would have been a really good win for Cincinnati. Mason Madsen had 8 points. He was 2 of 5 from 3, 3 of 6 on the floor. He played alright. Maybe was the best player on the floor in terms of offensive productivity. This would have been a really... This would have been a game where... I, I, there was, And I'm sure many coaches say this. I had one who said this to me when I used to manage. He said he'd rather win ugly than lose pretty. Well, that would have been this game. You're up 12 at the half. Okay, forget that for a minute. You're playing poorly. You're playing really poorly. You can't shoot. You can't make a shot. But you're up 12 at the half. You're still up 8 with 8 minutes to play. You're up 4 with 2 minutes to play. And you let Temple go on a 7-0 run. 7-0 run. This game and this second half collapse proved everything that I have said about this team that concerns me. Number one, they go into long periods of stretches where they don't score. And they can't make a shot. That happened tonight. To put it in context, 5 of 29, yeah, they were 4 of their first 13. 1 of their last 16. Woof. That's just not good. They don't have... An alpha dog player to go get them a bucket. The Julius missed a shot late in the game. Hayden Koval missed a three. They don't have a player to combat what they're when they go into a long drought. 
or to get them a key bucket late in the game. They don't have that player right now. Guys, it's January 26th. It's getting late early. I'm going to come out and say it right now. It's getting late early. This game against DCU Sunday, I'm going to say it's a must-win game. Or game they really need to have if if you're Cincinnati. Like, you really need to have. This is a game. This was a game they needed to win. Temple's middle of the pack. Knock them out. They didn't. They've let them hang around. It's a bad loss. You're up 12, despite not playing well, and you find a way to have everything that you weren't doing well come back to bite you in the butt. Bearcats dropped to 14 and six, four and three in AAC play. And it feels like every bit of progress they made over the last three games in two weeks, gone. And look, there are more basketball games in a season than there are football games in a season. But when your margin for error is as slim as Cincinnati's is, you're going to overreact to it. You're going to overreact to certain games. You're going to overreact to a game. You're going to overanalyze it. You're going to second guess. Because in this conference and in Cincinnati's situation, they don't get many opportunities. I mean, you look at the schedule coming up, like, they'll face Temple again. They'll face Memphis again. They'll face Houston twice. They'll face South Florida twice. They'll face Tulsa again. They're going to have some opportunities. They'll face SMU again. Time's running out, though. Time is running out. It's getting late early. You can't have many more losses like this. And someone, when the Bearcats aren't playing well or go into a slump where they can't make a shot or score, they have to take over the game. On the road, at Fifth Third Arena, at a neutral site, wherever it is, they have to take over the game. Because what's going to happen when they join the Big 12? That's big boy basketball. And there was a game Monday night that I saw that maybe you did too. That has me really excited for what Cincinnati is going to have in store for them when they join the Big 12 as far from a competitive standpoint. And I can't wait to see them join the Big 12. You'll hear all the reasons why next on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, Bearcats fans, I want to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside, and my listeners are making earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now using promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as $200 to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back is added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon cash back on your first tank. You know, it's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Bilt Bar in your plan. Why? Because they'll make it easier to stick to your resolution. Bilt Bars taste so good, you'll want to eat it. 
unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill and nobody wants that. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate and they only contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar and net carbs each, but they also have 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So even if you're not a huge fan of working out, I know it can be difficult. You can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Listen to these. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. If you said those flavors to me, I'd be all in on this product, which I already am. And there's many more flavors. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. Big announcement, the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show podcast is going on the road to L.A. for Super Bowl week. Follow the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show today to get the most comprehensive coverage of the big game. It's free and available on all platforms. Alex Frank with you here on Lockdown Bearcats. And maybe you watched it. Maybe you saw the score. I don't know. Maybe you didn't even know about it because of all the, the football action, particularly in this city that's been taking place since really the start of September, Labor Day weekend. But there was a there was a men's basketball games Monday a game Monday night in the Big 12. Kansas beat Texas Tech 94-91 in overtime. It was a matchup between the number 13 team and the number 5 team in the AP poll. In the AP Top 25. And that got me thinking. How many games are we going to see like that when Cincinnati joins the Big 12? I think we're going to see a lot of them. A whole lot of them. Not only because of the teams UC is going to join in the conference. But think about how many close games UC has played with UCF and Houston over the years. That's going to continue. BYU is coming over to the Big 12. And then, of course, you join the other teams in that conference. Think about the teams, and, and I know there might be some of you, there may be some of you out there that are upset that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving from a football perspective. But I would say to you this. I would say focus more on the fact that Kansas is in this conference on a basketball level. And I know that I've said that the university is transitioning into a football town, but I only have this year to go off of when I say that. I still believe that. I'm not going to change my stance. But I also acknowledge that historically, this is a basketball school. And so you go into a conference where Kansas is in there? And I guarantee you the schedule makers of the Big 12 Conference will, will not do the disservice of only scheduling one meeting. You will have Cincinnati and Kansas twice a year. Once at Fifth Third Arena, which the ticket for that game would the cheapest ticket to that game might be $500. And I might be, be and I might be generous with that. Actually, the more I think about it, it could be more than that. 
could be $1,000. It's going to be expensive. And you have another game at Allen Fieldhouse, which is one of the most historic college basketball venues in the United States of America. Sign me up for that. It's not only Kansas, though. Look at the teams right now in the Big 12. You have Kansas, who is off to a really good start this year. They are currently right now in the pole position to win the Big 12 regular season championship, which would be, jeez, I think they're 15th in the last, maybe their 15th straight, no, it would be their 16th Big 12 regular season championship in the last 18 years. You heard that correctly. They're 16th in the last 18 years. And yet, and yet, there are still many really competitive teams in this conference. Baylor is number four right now. You might know they are the defending national champions. Texas Tech is number 13. That's with a new head coach. Chris Beard left for Texas. Texas Tech has picked up right where they left off. Texas Tech was less than 30 seconds away from winning a national championship two years ago. A program that gradually built itself into a national force under Chris Beard. The job that Mark Adams has done with that program is admirable. He might be coach of the year in the Big 12. I, I If I had to vote, I would give it to him. You're going to get that team on your schedule. You're going to get Baylor on your schedule. Here's how competitive the Big 12 is this year. By the way, it may not be as competitive as it was last year, but it's pretty dang competitive this year. When you look at the standings and you see Iowa State's in ninth place in the conference right now at 2-5. and five. Did I mention they're number 23 in the country in the AP poll? <laughs> I mean, that is... That is... That says so much about how competitive the Big 12 is. Last year in the quarterfinals alone of the Big 12 tournament, which I read once is one of the most well-attended conference tournaments anywhere in the country of the major conference tournaments. And wait till you hear the statistics on that and the competitive nature of the Big 12. Last year, the Big 12 had... Four quarterfinal games, obviously. Quarterfinal games. You had four games. Three of them were top 25 matchups. The other one, which featured the number two team in the country, Baylor. Won by six over Kansas State, who was the ninth seed. You had three top 25 matchups. Alone in the quarterfinals. The quarterfinals. So for the four teams who won... Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, and... No, I'm sorry. Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Texas. For the four teams who won, they still had to win two more games to win the tournament. If there's any tournament that prepares a team for the NCAA tournament, it's the Big 12. If you look at it historically... So I mentioned Kansas has dominated that conference. And those of you who religiously follow college basketball, I am an avid college basketball fan. Once NFL season ends and college football season ends, I am an avid college basketball fan. 
I mean, I have to be living in Cincinnati because the Bearcats historically are a really good program. But you think about the competitive nature of the Big 12. Like, it feels like every year now, college basketball gets crazier and crazier and crazier during the regular season. And I, and I think that that's no more true than in the Big 12. The Big, the Big 10 may have something to say about it. I get that. But in terms of the Big 12, look at the history of the tournament. And this Big 12 tournament coming up will be the 25th. It should be the 26th. But we all know what happened in 2020. So there have been 24 Big 12 conference tournaments. Only 10 times has the number one seed won the Big 12 tournament. So if you're if you're if you're thinking about the competitiveness that is going to be once Cincinnati arrives in the Big 12, it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculously competitive. And that's why Wes Miller is implementing this style of play. Because it can work. And then of course once you get resources, once you get, you know more allocations once you get, you know, maybe a permanent uh, athletic facility. Once you get, you know, your TV deal set in place. You get on Big Monday on ESPN Monday nights, you know, multiple times a year, two, three, four. You're, the whole country is going to see why this style of play works in Cincinnati. The Big 12 is physical. Like, I mean... How many times over the years do you see a really good team like Kansas get tripped up by West Virginia because they can't handle their press Virginia style of play? Say what you want about West Virginia's failures in the NCAA tournament recently. I will point this out to you. They have been a really good regular season team. Bob Huggins, who we know very well in this area, has that team ready to compete almost every year. They were a three-seed last year in the NCAA tournament. A three-seed. Last year, in the Big 12 regular season, this is what stands out to me. You know how I mentioned there were four top, there were three top 25 matchups in the quarterfinals. Okay. When you look at the Big 12 standings from 2020-2021, West Virginia finished in fourth. West Virginia finished in fourth place, and they were the number 13 team in the country. Here's this for you. Baylor won the regular season title. They played four fewer conference games, but their non-conference schedule was pretty dang good. 28-2 overall. They finished 13-1 in conference play. Kansas finished second. West Virginia was number 13, I believe, in the final eight people. But I'm saying to you, six teams from the top 25 Six teams from the Big 12 in the AP Top 25. Remarkable. West Virginia finished fourth. And man, they can give opponents fits. Baylor had to score like 81 points on them. So if you're concerned that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving from a football perspective, that's fine. I'm upset about it too. Then again, if they hadn't left... Or if they were not leaving, we would not be in this position anyway to even talk about Cincinnati going to the Big 12. So you might have to be thankful for there. Sometimes you have to give up something to get something. I'll give up Texas and Oklahoma on football for a ridiculously competitive 
basketball schedule. I will admit to you right now, I am a I am more of a college basketball fan than I am a college football fan. I like college football, especially now that Cincinnati has been given respect. My alma mater, your alma mater, maybe your school, maybe currently if you're a student, you now feel like you belong in the exclusivity that is the college football playoff because you've been there. But still, college basketball. There are 353 Division One college basketball programs. Every single one of them coming into the, the season gets a chance to compete for an NCAA for a national title. Think about that for a minute. Every single team, unless you're on probation, every single team, and banned from your conference tournament, every single team gets the opportunity to compete in a conference tournament. Think about this for a minute. The Big Ten, the, the Big Twelve, excuse me, had. I want to. I, I want to check on this. You know what? I'll check on this. Um, I'll check on this, and when we, uh, on the other side of this upcoming live read and coming up next, I'm going to tell you just how competitive the Big 12 is once you get to the tournament. So it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. Whereas in the American, it does. So the pressure will go down. Think about that for a minute. That next on Lockdown Bearcats. All right, so Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and a mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite. Vegas Casino Games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Alex Frank here with you talking about the Big 12 and how competitive it is going to be. I, I mean... Here, here's the great thing about it right now. So, there's 10 teams in the Big 12 right now. There's going to be 12 once Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU join. I think, it, 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 and Mo Egger talked about this back in September. I agree with him. It's going to be a ridiculously competitive conference. So, there are 10 teams right now. There were 12 when the Big 12 first formed. It used to be the Big 8. Now the Big 12. There's 10 teams. The unique thing about it right now is there's 10 teams, and it's a round-robin schedule. So you play everybody twice, and everybody is so, every team has to be so familiar with one another that it just comes down to, you know, who wants some more, who makes the best shots, coaching, preparation, the little things. That's what wins games starting this time of year. Go back to 1997, though, and I mentioned this at the um, at the conclusion of segment two. Go back to 1997, the first ever Big 12 tournament, which in 1997 the teams in the Big 12 were Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas State. So there's your eight teams who are still in the Big 12. It also contained or included Colorado, Nebraska. Missouri, and Texas A&M. Those four teams 
have moved on to the Big 12, the Big 10, or the SEC. Anyway, the Big 12 tournament that year was won by Kansas. But what stands out to me is this. Number 10, Missouri, who finished that year in the regular season, who finished that year 10th in the Big 12, 5-11 in conference play. They were, I believe... In the regular season, they were they finished 16-17 overall. They won three tournament games, lost one. So they really finished 13-16. and 16. And yet they made it to the Big 12 championship game. They dispatched Nebraska in the first round, Texas in the second round. By the way, you had three teams ranked in the top 25 in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament that year. Missouri dispatched Nebraska, Texas, Oklahoma, and then played Kansas, who was number one in the country. And that Kansas team was loaded. I mean, it was loaded with talent. Paul Pierce was on that team. That was his final year at Kansas. Um, Roy Williams was the head coach. That Kansas team finished 34-2, 15-1 in Big 12 play. Matter of fact, I believe they only had one loss going into the Big 12 tournament. They ended up losing Arizona in the NCAA Sweet 16. Arizona went on to win the national championship. Another note here. Kemper Arena, which hosted the Big 12 tournament in its first half of existence, of the run of the currency of, of its existence, which is 24 years. So Kemper Arena held 19,500 capacity. Here's the attendance by session. There were six sessions that year of the Big 12 tournament. Here's your attendance numbers. 19,100, 18,800 twice, 19,100 again, 19,310 for the semifinals and final. Almost capacity crowds. On average, the total attendance for the Big 12, and it's 20, and, and, and this does not include last year because there were limitations on number of fans that could go. Attendance. For Big 12 tournaments since 1997, on average, 101,654. Think about that for a minute. So you've either had 10 or 12 teams, which means you either have six sessions or, I believe, five. Let me check on that for a minute. So you had six sessions when there were 12 teams. Two, two the first two days, one the, one the third day, and then another one, and then one more for the final. With 10 teams, which started in 2012, I believe 2012. Yes, in 2012. So you had six when there were 12 teams. With 10, you have five. So you either have six or five sessions. You either have 10 or nine games. And you're getting up to 101,000? That means you have at least 10,000 fans. Over 10,000 fans at every game. 11,000. Over that. I'm talking about games... In the first round of Wednesday. Your lesser teams. Although then again, sometimes you have teams that play on that first day. 
who end up making the tournament. That's what's going. That's what's going to make this conference so fun. How many times do you watch an early round game in a conference tournament? In any conference, it can be the Big East. It can be the Big Twelve. It can be the ACC. Yeah, you'll have a smattering of fans, mostly from the schools we're playing. Big Twelve does. Big Twelve is not like that. Early round games in that conference matter. Semifinals Friday, the stands are packed. Championship game, they're packed. And I guarantee you, Bearcats fans, because the conference tournament, as far as I know from here on out, it's going to be in Kansas City. You better believe Bearcats fans will be going, just like Bengals fans are hopefully going to be going to Kansas City this Sunday for the AFC Championship. Yeah, this stuff matters in the Big 12. And, as I alluded to in the last segment, you want to talk about competitiveness. I mentioned only 10 times has the number one seed won the tournament since its inception in 1997. The lowest seed to win it is the five seed. Iowa State accomplished that in 2019. Breakdown for you is this. The number one seed has won 10 times. Two seed has won five times. Three seed, six. Four seed, twice. Five seed, once. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Go deeper. Look at the conference championship matchups in terms of seed numbers. Only nine times in 24 conference tournaments in the Big 12. Has there been a 1-2 matchup in the championship game? Think about that for a minute. The two best teams don't always go. Four times has there been a 1-3. Actually, that might be five times. So five times... A... Five times... Has it been 1-2 or 1-3? But... The only other time, there's only been one other time a one seed is made. So that means nine times the number one seed is not played for the Big 12 championship. Now, that's not concerning because if the number one seed is ousted early in the conference tournament, they're going to the big they're going to the NCAA tournament. Because they won the regular season championship in the Big 12. And they're probably a top 25 team. More than probably, actually. Here's some other championship matchups. Three times has it been three versus five. Twice it's been three versus four. But then you have three versus nine, two versus four, four versus seven, four versus two, one versus ten. That was 97 that I alluded to earlier, uh, Kansas and Missouri. God, can you imagine if that rivalry returned to the conference, the border war? Oh, just spice things up a little bit more. That's all, that's all that you would be doing. The competitiveness that's going to be in this conference Every single night that the Bearcats play is going to be, it's going to feel like a late February, early March game or a Big 12 tournament game. Every night that your team doesn't play, but other teams in the conference are, you're going to be watching the scoreboard. That's fun, man. Like, we don't do that religiously in the AAC. Hate to tell you, we care, but not like in the Big 12. I mean, Houston just went to the Final Four last year. They're coming. Cincinnati's, you know, coming back as a program under Wes Miller. UCF has been solid the last few years. BYU has been good at times in their history in college basketball. This is what you want if you're Cincinnati. And that's why, like, you should start paying attention to the Big 12 right now. 
Once football season ends, if the Bearcats aren't playing on a Monday, you know, watch a Big 12 game. You know, you can watch a Big 12 game. Watch next week's Big 12 Big Monday game. Watch West Virginia take on Baylor next Monday night. That's the Big Monday game. Cincinnati is going to be a part of that. Monday nights. College basketball is going to really matter in this city. It didn't matter. It's, it's mattered already. Like The Bearcats have played in the Big East. And that was the best college basketball conference in the country. And yet, in today's, in today's college basketball, it's not considered a Power 5 conference. Now you're going to get into a Power 5 conference where there's tremendous resources, there's tremendous allocations, there's tremendous facilities, there is tremendous exposure, there is tremendous television deals. You're going to get all that. And you're going to get a really competitive conference. I would put the Big 12 up with any conference in college basketball. I think it's better than the Pac-12. I think it's better than the uh, SEC. Even though the SEC is the top team in the country right now. And Auburn, shout out Zach Blackerby, the manager of the college channel here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Boy, he's got to be having a ball right now. Whew. Um, the ACC and the Big 10 are going to have their says. I understand that. The ACC's got North Carolina and Duke. The Big Ten is always competitive every year. Last year, the, the semifinals had two top ten matchups. First time in college, first time, at least in Big Ten history, maybe college, maybe conference tournament history in all of college basketball, the four top ten teams met in the semifinals. And both in all three games of the semifinals and championship delivered. But, fun fact, only one of those teams ended up past the first weekend of the tournament. I'll throw that out there. The Big 12 had Baylor in the Sweet 16. That might have been it, though, actually. I think it was. Uh, anyway. Then again, Baylor ended up winning a national championship, so there's that for you. Um, good stuff. Really good stuff today. Um, working on getting Justin Williams on the show this week. I want to talk to him about, you know... Bearcats basketball, some football. He came out with his defensive depth chart projections 1.0 uh, yesterday. Um, I I'm starting to formulate players that you know I you know think we're not talking about a lot, but could be integral roles. And so a lot happening right now, and we are getting knee deep in the college basketball season. And these games matter. And just start dreaming of what you're going to get in the Big 12, because it's going to be really fun. And that's the reason. That's one of the reasons why I I, I, I pushed and Zach, graciously, um, he saw something in me to host this lockdown Bearcats podcast, and we're going to get YouTube up and running. So when we get to the Big Twelve, we're going to be up and running. And uh, you got James Rapine and all Bearcats and his crew, Russ Heldman, Jeff Carr, they're contributing, doing more than contributing actually. Uh, they, they got what they have going on over there. A lot coming up. Um, locked on Bearcats throughout this week and throughout the remainder of college basketball season, football off season. Good stuff. Um, thank you again for tuning in to Lockdown Bearcats, making us your first listen of every day. Stay tuned, of course, to make your second listen, Lockdown Bets. Your boy Q, the host, 
hosting your jam your daily one-stop shop for all your sports gambling needs daily uh expert analysis and insight from lee sterling included free and available on all platforms you can follow me on twitter at frankie underscore natty with two n's n n a t i or instagram alex frank nine underscore and you can also email me at alex three frank gmail.com that's alex the number three frank it's all lowercase at gmail.com We'll talk to you tomorrow on Thursday. I'm Alex Frank. Thank you again for making us your first listen of Everyday Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Stay warm. It is cold. And we will talk to you tomorrow.